listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to episode number 189 of the Red Seed Podcast. Uh, this is Matt Collins. I'm going to be your host today. And joining me for this one is uh, Jake Devereaux. Jake, what's going on? Not much, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm uh, getting ready to buckle down again because it sure seems that's like that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does seem like that. I know it's uh, getting out of control in my area, but um, maybe, maybe, uh, just maybe, during this time, we will get some sort of hot stove action, uh, which can potentially keep us busy. It seems like that's been at a a bit of a a low simmer at this point, though. Not a lot going on in baseball right now. No, not at all. Um, And typically, my hope is that Thanksgiving weekend is blank but since i'm not doing anything for thanksgiving this year uh, i wouldn't mind a little bit of a distraction from that fact you think uh theo and and lucino will will be at Schilling's house for thanksgiving this year Uh, that would be a rough look if they are (laughs) although i'm sure Schilling's probably gonna have a big get together just just for the hell of it so maybe they'll get some I'm sure he is. <laughs> uh, but we're not going to talk about Kurt Schilling today, although he is a little bit in the news because uh, not long before we recorded this, the Hall of Fame ballot came out, but I have zero interest in talking about that, at least for the time being. Um, we did get a little bit of news. The Red Sox did make a signing. It was not a major league signing, but they did add somebody to the organization. Uh, Red Sox added or signed reliever Kevin McCarthy to a minor league deal. Uh, McCarthy had spent his entire career with the Royals to this point. Um, they waived him earlier in the offseason. Uh, he was going to be a non-tender guy. Uh, he has had some solid seasons. Uh, 2019, he was already at a 107 ERA+, plus, uh, 38 strikeouts and 28, 21 walks and 60 innings uh, in his career. He has a 119 ERA plus, uh, not a strikeout guy, has okay control, pretty average there. Uh, his big thing is he's a ground ball guy, gets a, about ground balls about 60% of the time, so he's really just added into that depth, not a very high ceiling, but also not a guy that it would be totally shocking to see him make the roster out of camp and just serve as that middle relief, come in with a runner on first and one out when he needs a double play. Um, but yeah, that's the big, that's the big Red Sox news for the week. Uh, I don't know if you have any Kevin McCarthy thoughts you want to add before we move on. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good on my Kevin McCarthy news. Um, yeah, Kevin, I, I think there's a Senator named Kevin McCarthy or something. I just, I have a big thing. I always notice when a baseball player is not the first person that comes up. Like if I have to dig further than just typing your name into google to find you um i just it makes me biased against you i don't want to have to be typing in all these extra words into google to find your baseball reference page yeah all i thought of when you were talking about kevin mccarthy was brandon mccarthy um yeah that's that's fair yeah matt barnes is another one that drives me nuts with that because it's always the basketball (laughs) player that comes up yeah uh, but yeah, so like I said, that was the only news. Not really anything to add there. Uh, maybe in camp he'll make a bigger name for himself, but until then, uh, he's just sort of on the periphery. Uh, but other than that, uh, we did get some prospect stuff coming this week. Uh, wasn't exactly news, but a couple of the um, big prospect sites uh, unleashed their top 10 Red Sox prospects list. I'll just go through those very quickly, and then we'll get into some more detail. But uh, Baseball America did so first. Uh, their list 
as has been the case for a few years now, was put together by Alex Spear of the Boston Globe. Uh, they had Tristan Casas, Jeter Downs, Bobby Dalbeck, Brian Mata, Jaron Duran, Jay Groom, Hilberto Jimenez, uh, Tanner Houck, Nick York, and then Thad Ward. Uh, Baseball Prospectus also released their list. Um, they had, let's see, Tristan Casas, Jeter Downs, they had Noah Song, number three. Uh, Jaron Duran, Brian Mata, Bobby Dalbeck, Nick York, Matthew Lugo, Gilberto Jimenez, and uh, Tanner Houck. So f- somewhat similar, although um, some notable differences that we'll get to. But to start, I guess we should probably just start at the top. Uh, Tristan Casas topped both lists. Uh, first of all, does that seem right to you? Yeah, that seems totally right to me. Uh, he also topped Prospects Live, did their uh, their list of, of baseball, of uh, Red Sox prospects, and he was the top there too. So uh, nice to see some consensus with Tristan Casas. Last year we didn't get uh, full consensus on Tristan Casas as the top prospect in the system, right? I mean, I think I remember there being um, some sites that had Dahlbeck. Um, I don't. I don't the, recall, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's hard to remember um, a year ago, but I think it's more clear-cut now, uh, which, which I guess is my larger point. And I think that people are starting to really understand what type of a unique talent uh, Tristan Casas is. He showed really well at the alternate site. Um, and since the Sox broadcasted their games from the alternate site, I think he got a bit more exposure. Um, everything that... I continue to read about Tristan Casas just makes me much more excited um, about him and, and about his potential going down the road. I kind of envisioned this player as the Anthony Rizzo that we never got. Um, yeah, I think the hit tool is awesome. Um, a lot of people have it as a 55. I think it could be a 60. The power is definitely true 70 grade power. I think his athleticism is underrated for a guy that size. And and I also think that um, the way that he talks about uh, hitting in the reports that have come out, how he kind of models himself after the Joey Votto type player and he's, you know, changing up when he's got two strikes on him. Those are things that you don't usually see from players uh, his age. And also you don't see those things from power hitters a ton. He definitely qualifies as a true power hitter so i haven't been this excited about a red sox prospect since probably um probably bogarts i think was was the last one i got this pumped about that's kind of insane to be honest (laughs) why devers was one of the top handful of prospects in all baseball ben attendee was the top prospect in all baseball um yeah I just—I don't think Casas is quite on that level, to me at least. I—I I don't think. Well, I don't know if um, I don't think Devers got the type of buzz that I feel like Casas is getting now, and maybe oh, I think maybe I'm just feeling more plugged in now than I was back then. Um, but I just feel like it's different. The the energy around. Casas is different. I don't know what he peaked at. What what was Devers's peak? Do you have any uh, idea? Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. He was coming into. He was a consensus top 100 guy three years in a row. Um, mm-hmm. His last two years, so before the 2016 season and before the 2017 season. Um, so before 2016, he was almost a consensus top 20 guy. Baseball Prospectus had him 35. And then mm. the next season, he was consensus top 20 in all baseball. Um, I think you're just misremembering Rafael Devers. And he would have been higher if the defense was better. I mean, everybody yeah. saw him as like an elite-level bat. I, I think Tristan Casas will be a consensus top 30 guy this year. And I think he will really? potentially peak as a top 25 guy consensus. Oh, I don't... Think, I do. I don't know that he's... I, mean, I don't really have a great sense of... Um, national prospect rankings. I don't know. I would be. I guess I would be surprised if a first baseman ranks that highly. Well, right. I guess that's the thing, right? So e- even for him to rank in the top fifty as a first base only prospect, 
speaks volumes about what that bat is right now. And I think that's what has me so excited. So obviously, like a a first baseman or when Benny Benny was coming up, you know, people still thought he could play center field, and maybe he still might this year. But you know, he's not really a center fielder. Um, I th- I think they maybe were a little too high on Benny. I think they were probably right on on Devers, but but I think that the impact that Casas has may, might be outsized for how high his ranking gets, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, I think it's just really hard to properly contextualize a guy like this. I mean, a guy that has the potential for such a great bat. And I mean, I, listen, I'm like as excited about him as I've been probably, I mean, it's probably since Benintendi, I guess. Um, I was extremely excited about Benintendi. Um, and I am extremely excited for what he can do with the bat, but I think just talking about like national rankings and talking about his context there, um, there is, I mean, there's a reason that there aren't any first basemen that are ranked that highly, because if he falls a little bit short of his ceiling, we're talking about a totally different kind of player. So, I mean, I'm not trying to pour cold water on Casas. I too think that he is where he belongs at number one in the system. I don't know that it's particularly close to me, um, but I do... I guess it was just the comment of being as excited as he's been since Bogarts that kind of threw me, just because the Red Sox have had some... have had uh, some plenty of uh, more highly ranked guys. In fact, I might uh, I might say that you were more excited about Blake Swihart. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe I was a little... I was I was young. I was young and naive. I don't think it was dumb to be excited about Blake Swihart. I wasn't even trying to say that. I just remember you and Blake Swihart. Yeah, no, I, it was definitely a thing. Um, what what in particular makes me excited about Casas, though, is just we talked about the 70-grade power a little bit, but BP or uh, BA, I should say, Baseball America, goes through and ranks tools for all of the players and, and ranks the best tools in each system, and they have Casas as the best hitter for average in the system, the best strike zone discipline in the system. To go along with 70 power at his age, that's just, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say, at least in terms of the average thing, that also has a little bit to do with uh, the rest of the system. The Red Sox position player side of things doesn't really have a ton of those high average types. Uh, Nick York could potentially become that guy and we'll get to him in a little bit um but other than that there's a lot of swing and miss and a lot of other issues um but i think the the zone does play a big bigger role to me than the average i don't really i think costas has a solid hit tool i don't know i think you're probably higher on that part of it than me but i think he's definitely good enough where he he can hit like two 260 or whatever and be outstanding yeah i I definitely see him as more of like a 280 guy but uh i i think you know 260 with 35 to 40 home runs is is a realistic ceiling for him yeah i mean 260 and then you're talking about a guy who can put up like a 10 11 percent walk rate and then like a 225 iso or whatever on a consistent basis that's i mean that's an all-star for sure yeah yeah, one of the other average guys in the system we didn't really talk about, but I think Jason Rosario is a bit of a more average guy who he was you know, is added to this. Yeah, he was someone I was going to mention. He would probably be the one, not Gilberto so much for average, but for um, the dis- zone discipline. Because, I mean, that guy mm. has crazy play discipline. Um, he would have been the one I would have mentioned there, maybe above Casas, but... Um, it's kind of picking nits at that point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So but I guess... definitely go ahead. full consensus between the two of us with him at number one. Yeah, so that was where I wanted to go next. I do, I do agree that he should be number one. And I guess, based on your comments that you think he's going to be where he's going to be ranked nationally, I'm guessing you think that's going to be unanimous, basically, through all the lists. Yeah, I do. Uh, we've already seen it on three of the big ones, uh, I think... What are we waiting on? Fangraphs and MLB. Fangraphs, MLB, Keith Law. 
Those are usually yeah. the ones I track. Um, yeah. Keith Law could throw something weird at us, but I, I, I recall Keith Law being pretty damn high on Casas. Yeah. So I guess my only... The argument against it would just be that Jeter Downs plays a more valuable position. Um, and I think people are getting a little down on Downs, and I'm really sorry I just said that. But yeah, come on, you wouldn't let me get away with that on I, this show. I couldn't stop myself in the middle of it. I realized where it was going, but it was too late for me to change my thought. Yeah, um, boo. Yeah, it was, I deserve that. Um, <laughs> but just the fact that he's a second baseman, I think... I mean, people value that pretty pretty highly, and for good reason, I think. And like I said, I would have Casas ahead, but I I wouldn't be surprised at all if, say, I want to say Fangraphs had downs ahead of Casas uh, before this past season. Um, and I believe MLB Pipeline did as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of these lists gives the positional versatility edge to downs. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I think it would, I think it's wrong if they do. Um, I, I think Downs is a really good player, but I just don't think that second base uh, is a position that is important enough these days that uh, it would really push him up that much for me. I think if you have a plus defender at second base, that's great, and that can be really impactful, but... You know, it's not like Jeter Downs is guaranteed to play up the middle at shortstop or in center field or something like that. I do think he's got 20-20 potential uh, down the road, but I don't think his OBP or his home run totals or anything like that will impact the game in the same way that a player like Casas will. So overall, I just I'm not sure if I see him being quite as impactful. Yeah, I think I agree. But I think the floor is higher with downs would probably be my counter argument. And so I interesting. I, I mean, I think he can fall back on his defense in a way that Casas can't. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Downs is just more a some of the parts kind of player. He doesn't really have anything yeah. that super stands out, but he's pretty good at everything. And I think. I think there is still value in having a very good defensive second baseman, which I think he can be. Even in this era of shifting, if you have a guy where you don't feel like you have to shift as often, that can that can be a sort of a hidden advantage. Um, so again, I would have Casas first, but I think I think they're probably both bottom fifty, top one hundred ish prospects. Hmm. I. I think we will see Casas at least crack the top 30 on one list this year. You can be right. Like I said, I don't really have any sense of what the prospect industry thinks about. We should make a dumb bet, Matt. Um, all right. What do you want to bet? Not money. Um, we don't have to decide this right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it we'll out. That would not be good radio. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll move on from those two. I think those two are probably going to be the consensus top two in the system. You agree with that? Totally, yep. Uh, so after that, things diverged a little bit. Baseball Prospectus had Noah Song number three. Baseball America had Noah Song not on their top ten. Spear said in a chat, um, after that he would have him not far outside somewhere in the 11 to 15 range so i'm curious where you land on noah's song um sort of jumping off those two using those two rings as a jumping off point but just in general where you see him right now yeah i also have him outside my top 10 uh i have him at 11 as well uh i just think that there are too many variables with uh, Noah Song right now. I'm in full agreement with you on what type of a raw talent Noah Song is um, as a four-pitch, you know, polished college pitcher um, who had no issues at all in his limited pro debut. Um, I just don't have any clue, you know, what type of player he's going to be coming out of. Uh, potentially not doing any baseball work for what like at best a year and a half 
two years. I, I'm assuming like he's that. throwing and stuff. I just don't think we can assume that at flight school. Like, I don't know how intensive that is. You know, how much room is there for doing things that you want to do at, at flight school? I mean, I've heard that that is just like a, one of the most intense programs that you can be in in the military. I would be surprised if he wasn't throwing. Maybe not not on the schedule that he would if he was playing professional baseball, but I I would be very surprised if he wasn't doing any throwing. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I hope he's throwing. Uh, I guess I'm just not going to assume that. I don't know what the timeline is going to be with him when he comes out. I mean, that Rule 5 clock is going to come up quicker uh, with him um, than it will with other players who aren't going to miss that much development time, so... I think that will have some impact on where he's going to be ranked as well. I mean, I, I like the stuff. I'm just a little bit uncertain about his future. I, that's the best way I can possibly put that. It, you know, it, if we're just ranking him on tools, it'd be a different story. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair, obviously. We don't really know. There is a chance that he's back as early as, like, late May. Um I think people were more optimistic about that when the decision was first handed down that he would have to go to flight school in the first place. It seems like people have soured on that a little bit, but at the same time, um, like BP says in their write-up of song, the guy who makes that decision was just fired via tweet like a week ago. So, I mean, there's <laughs> that whole department, and then you have changing of hands of the federal government that's coming um, in the next few months, and so that stuff is all up in the air. I don't think anybody really has an idea, uh, but no. I think I think that there is a chance that he comes back next summer, and I think that whenever he does come back, I guess I'm more confident in you that he's going to be in shape. Um, he's definitely going to be in physical shape. I have no question about that. The guy's in a um, military program. There's no way he's just like sitting on his ass. Um, as far as throwing, yeah, there's definitely a question, but... Um, if he like if everything was normal and he was in the system and he was coming off a normal year and all that, um, I would have I would think very hard about having him number one in the system. Um, I would definitely have him number two in the system. I think what he showed coming out of college um, in pro ball and then in that Premier Twelve tournament, um, he just looks electric. He looks like the best pitching prospect the Red Sox have had that I can honestly remember since i've been following prospects and i should mention that that is uh post like the john lester type of guys so i'm not putting him necessarily in that class but i mean i think he is i think talent wise he's special like i said i i would potentially have him number one in a normal scenario so um i hedged a little bit between not having him in the top 10 at all and having a number one i have a number five but um i just everything that I've heard about him both talent-wise and makeup-wise tells me that he's going to, whenever he does come back, he's still going to be good. And I I actually think that they're going to push him pretty hard when he does come back because he just has that sort of makeup that you're not afraid to push. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how hard they feel like they can push a guy who hasn't been getting a workload at all because that is so important not to get a guy hurt is to make sure you're managing his workload and building him up. So, you know, just simply the fact that they will need time to build him up will also hinder his development. Yeah, so, well. I mean, I would assume... So if he comes back in, like, the middle of the summer, say, um, I don't necessarily think they would push him back super quick this summer i think they would have him working down at the complex for a while and maybe get a few starts in like salem or whatever to end the year but then you look to 2022 i think they'd start him in portland with an eye to maybe have him in the majors by the end of that year assuming things go well best case scenario though i think that second year let's just say he comes back and works at the complex for that half year this year i think you're looking at a pitcher who maybe gets to 100 innings in 2022 so I don't I don't think I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that. I think he could get up to 150 ish um with the full off season. Cuz like I like I was saying he's not I I assume he's throwing and I know for a fact he's in 
like he's staying in shape. So I don't know that I would be obviously you can't push him too much, but I think working him back over the summer and then give having a full off season, I think he would be ready for that kind of workload. Yeah, and I, I just think generally you're probably a little bit higher on him than I am. Oh, I'm too. sky high on no song I am. I, <laughs> I I don't know that I don't know that I know anybody who's higher on him than me. Yeah, like if if all things were equal and he was in the system normally right now, I would still have him four in the system. So I I would not have him above the top three position guys in my opinion uh, in the system. So I mean, a part of that is just Red Sox have done a really bad job of developing pitching talent too. So I just don't know um, if that's really something that they're going to be able to maximize uh, Noah Song. You know, as good of a prospect as he is, I'm not sure um, what that's going to be like either. I, I, I have some skepticism about Red Sox in pitching right now. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not unfounded. Um, so I'm going to move on a little bit uh, from Song to uh, Nick York. Nick York was their first-round pick this past summer. Um, Red Sox made some headlines with that pick. was probably the most out-of-the-box box pick of that entire first round um the guy who was ranked the lowest by um the public ranking sites but uh he made an impression late in the year at the alternate site he got a quick chance there um everything that's come out about him has been positive so he ended up on both of these top 10 lists he was uh, nine for baseball america seven for baseball prospectus um does that sound right to you yeah, I have him personally at number nine. Um, you know, he's just he strikes me as a little bit more risky than a player taken there should be. Um, I think he will hit uh, based on everything that we've seen in the reports from the alternate site. You know, I think the six six hit tool that they threw on him seems right, um, but he's already had some injury issues. He's already got this sort of maxed out thick build um that seems like best case scenario be an average-ish defender at second base um you know i i just don't know how much juice there is to squeeze out of out of nick york's profile he kind of seems like a close to finished guy physically and i'm not sure that there's much of any projection left there um, so I, I think nine is probably like close to as high as I can reasonably put a guy like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually have him in my top ten. Um, I don't think he's far off. I think he could move into that position very quickly. Um, I just really haven't seen anything from him yet. I mean, I think the areas of growth would be in the power department. Um, he has the hit tool right now. He doesn't really have um, the power that you would like to see, especially because of what you're saying about his defense. I mean, it doesn't. This isn't like a Jeter Downs situation where Downs projects to be above average at second base and can make a difference there. York is more of a guy that you can live with there, but probably isn't going to be winning any Gold Gloves. So um, he's leaning pretty heavily on the hit tool. Um, those are players that I tend to gravitate towards, and I'm more, very interested to see what he can show. But I, I was a little surprised at how aggressive both of these rankings were on him. But I guess you had him number nine, which is where uh, BA had him. Um, well, yeah, Prospects Live had him at 10, too, so they had him in the top 10. So, I mean, it sounds like I'm lower on him. I don't know that I'm actually lower on him. It's, there's one guy um, we'll get to in a little bit that I guess I'm higher on than it seems like a lot of other, since uh, or all of these other, other, all of these other sites, easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think I just, I guess I mainly just want to see it before I totally buy into Nick York. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that that is perfectly reasonable for a guy we've basically not seen. Yeah, and I mean, I the reports out of the alternate site, like I said, were good, but that was also like a week. Yeah, yeah. How much can you really tell? I know he had some tough at-bats against some good pitchers. I think specifically Brian Mata, he had some good at-bats against Mata, but like, you know, you, you've talked about that many times, about how weird the judging the alternates 
site stuff is. Yeah, I I don't know that it all applies to York necessarily because a lot of my issues come from the fact that they're seeing the same pictures over and over again and York wasn't there long enough for that. But I mean it's also sure. he's facing guys that are going up and down between the minors and the majors and for a bad team and yeah, I mean it's just I don't really know how to judge that. Yeah. Um so then we talked about Song being the guy left off Baseball America's list. Um on BP's list, the big name left off was Jay Groom. Um, that kind of surprised me. It took me a minute to figure out um, that he wasn't there. But, I mean, were you surprised by that? I kind of figured he was going to be in every top ten. Yeah, I was. I was surprised, especially because, um, was it B.A. had him? No, it wasn't. Yeah, B.A. had him at six. Prospects Live had him at five i have him at seven the thing with jay groom is like dude is finally healthy and reports on his stuff like (laughs) they basically say it flashes filthy still you know just a tall lefty with pretty decent mechanics and a good fastball and just a, a sick curveball when it's right. I know that the curveball, the reports on that pitch have been that it hasn't really come back to, you know, being the six pitch that it was before, but um, it seems like all he needs is just time to be healthy, and he finally is healthy. And I think that, you know, had a, had a season been played this year, Groom probably would have been one of the likelier candidates in the system to jump big. Um, up the rankings, just getting some healthy innings. So, uh, if he man, got the it's, it's innings, right, yeah, it's just too it's too um, too much for me to give up on a first round lefty talent with his ability. You know, yeah, I got you. And I actually, you said you had him at seven. Yeah, I actually have him at six. So I guess I'm a little higher. Uh, but I've been the low guy in Groom before. I was. The low guy in Groom coming into this year, I, I get why he wouldn't be on their top ten. Uh, I mean, they talk about it a little bit in the write-up. I won't give too much away because it's behind a paywall, but basically they're talking about the pitches that you were talking about and how they're still, they are still flashing plus, but they're not there with the consistency that you would hope. And um, I mean, I, the main argument against Groom to me is just health. And I know he was yeah. healthy this year, but it also wasn't like a normal sort of workload, and he wasn't doing the same sort of traveling and everything that you do. And, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy who has never pitched more than 55 innings in a season. Um, that was in 2017. Since then, he's thrown four innings, um, not counting the alternate site, alternate site stuff, obviously. Um, so- not counting the lull playoffs, right? Yeah, not counting the <laughs> whole playoffs. I'm just looking at the statute. Um, but, I mean, even then you're adding, what, like five innings? Um, I think the total that I've heard is, like, 64 total innings in his Red Sox career. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. And, I mean, that's – I am starting to buy more into the stuff, but, man, I really can't fault anybody for just giving up on the health or not giving up but not putting him in that sort of top ten tier. He strikes me as the type of player that may end up being a trade chip because I just think that there's he's still so attractive in so many different ways like the the way that the the reason why we see him on all these top 10 still is just because the stuff is so ridiculous and you know credit to the kid um he hasn't really done anything wrong like he hasn't gotten in any trouble and I know that there are all these reports about character issues and people were worried about family stuff and all that but like he has done what he's supposed to do he has been a hard worker and yeah he's gotten hurt and that sucks but like in terms of everything else it seems like he's kind of been a model citizen too so i i feel like that's encouraging yeah i mean i have nothing against him personally but um i think that the system is crowded enough in like that 7 to 15 range and I know I have Groom ahead of that um, and um, I mean, if you want to take Song out of the equation because he's not pitching right now I think I have Groom as the top pitcher in the organization not in the non-Song category um, but 
in that sort of range, there's a lot of it's pretty crowded. So I mean, I think you can have Groom at like a BP doesn't rank me on ten, so I don't know where they actually have him. But I think if you have him at just say twelve, I don't know that that's all that far off from having him at like number seven. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for what it's worth, Sox prospects has him at eight, too. So they're also in the top ten. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so those are the specific names on the top tens that I wanted to take a bigger look at. Um, but were there any other major differences uh, that you can see between your own list and what these two lists provided? Um, Duran. I guess I'm I'm higher on Duran than uh than anybody else. Uh, aside from maybe you, I don't know where you have him, but I have him at number three. I do too on my list. So okay, why do you have him at three, Matt? I think it was close between him and Bobby Dalbeck, um, who I have fourth. Um, I think Dalbeck swing and miss scares me a little bit, and I just. Everything about Duran since he's entered the organization has just been so encouraging. I mean, he changed his swing immediately upon um, getting drafted, and it obviously paid huge dividends. He changed it again this year to add more power. Um, Like I said, there are issues with the whole alternate site, and I'm not buying too, too much into the power. I don't think we're looking at an above-average power guy, but even if he has average power with his speed and his ability to make contact, um, I'm super excited about that. I'm not as worried about the defense as other people might be. Um, we've talked about this with sort of the Ellsbury comp as you can you, you can lean on that athleticism as you're learning center field, and then once you mature, you can kind of combine those to become a very, very good uh, center fielder. So I see, I mean, I see Duran as a guy that is going to have a similar type of value as like earlier-ish career Jackie Bradley. So a guy that you can start year in and year out and feel good about it, and he's going to sneak his way into like a, an all-star game or two over his career. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually think that, you know, looking at it from like a fantasy baseball perspective or something like that, I would think that he's got 25, 20... 30 20 potential you know home runs and stolen bases um he's he's that type of toolsy guy yeah maybe yeah maybe i i I do think his power is very legit though um the athleticism there is just it's tremendous uh yeah i agree i i love love jaron duran and i'm just so intrigued by seeing how that swing change this year is gonna play um it's just really encouraging, like you said, to be able to make those swing changes and make many alterations. And I think that just speaks volumes about um, his potential in the pros, because when you get to the pros, you have to continue to make adjustments to a, you know, how pitchers are going to be throwing against you and, and things like that. And he's just shown an ability to time and time again make those adjustments. So that's that's a huge quality. I think he plays, his offense plays particularly well in Fenway too, just because he can take, he can take advantage, he doesn't necessarily have to have the big time power to take advantage of the right field corner or the triangle, Um, and I think we could see him pad his ISO numbers even if he doesn't hit a ton of home runs with an abnormal number of triples. Hmm, Yeah. He is also going to be playing um, Puerto Rican winter ball for yes. uh, Alex Cora's dad's team. Uh, I think it's his dad's team, the Cagas teams uh, over there in Cora's hometown. So get some more experience in center field. That's pretty good. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, any other names? Um, I guess I'll just like go down my list and let me know if anything stands out. Uh, I've got Casas at one, Downs at two, Duran at three, uh, Mata at four, um, Hulk at five, Gilberto at six, uh, Groom at seven, Dahlbeck at eight, York at nine, and then Thad Ward at ten. Yeah, so I don't think there's too many differences. I had Casas, Downs, Duran, Dahlbeck. Uh, Song, Groom, Mata, Jimenez. I had Jason Rosario at number nine. Um, he was a guy I kind of alluded to earlier. I think, I think Rosario. I'm super excited about him. Um, 
the lack of power limits his ceiling a bit for sure mm-hmm. but he has he has good speed he doesn't have Jimenez Duran type speed but he definitely has above average speed and he looks like a guy that is much more polished um, both offensively and defensively than Duran so I don't know that the tools are that loud or as loud but he has just the I mean I mentioned his plate discipline before in his three professional seasons his walk rates have been 14.7% 12.7% 16.6% and this is as a guy who's been like young for his level um mm-hmm. so I just I love that sort of profile he's got a big hit a good hit tool good patience good speed good defense up the middle um just give me that all day yeah, he's a really interesting player. I'm going to be excited to um, see where they start him next year if there is a minor league season. I would I'm assume. Kind of hoping. I would assume Portland, um, because Duran would be at Pawtucket yeah. or Worcester, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think you're probably right. That means you're going to get a lot of looks at your boy. I was psyched to see him. Plus, he does uh, he does flips after everyone. There's like backflips hmm. after everyone, so that's always fun. Sounds risky, but okay. Um, the other, I guess, difference uh, that we had was where we had Dahlbeck. Um, it sounds like you're a little less worried about his hit tool than I am. I have him down at eight, um, and I think, where'd you have him? Four? I had him four, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I don't know if Bobby Dahlbeck is going to be Michael Chavis. You know, I don't think he's going to be. I'm more bullish on him than I am on Michael Chavis, and we've talked about the reasons why. And yeah, just to sum it up, I think the gaps in his swing are a little bit less exploitable um, than those in Chavis's swing, and I think they're a little bit more fixable. Um, and if things go well for him, he's a top three prospect in this system maybe even a top two prospect in the system but i am scared enough by his prodigious strikeout rates that i can't have him in the top half of that list right now yeah i guess i don't necessarily disagree with anything he said i think my ranking of dahlbeck is more about the other players than it is about Dalvik. Mata, I don't, I don't really know why, but I just cannot get super excited about him. I just, I guess, I need to see that consistent control before I get really excited. Um, but I am lower on him, and I don't really, I can't really give a great reason why, which is not, not great. And I've been thinking about it, but I just can't, I can't bring myself to move him up. Uh, Groom, I already talked about the injury stuff. Song, obviously the military stuff. Uh, Gilberto Jimenez, I think has could be a huge riser, but I want to see, um, I want to see that hit tool sort of more refined and that just that offense in general more refined. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think for Dahlbeck, it's that I've seen him in the majors. Um, I know the power is real. I know he can play good defense, and I think. I'm confident that he's going to carve out some sort of major league role. Um, I wouldn't be like a Mark Reynolds-ish type role where he's can start on bad teams or um, be a good right-handed bench off the or right-handed bat off the bench uh, for better teams. I, there's just more certainty there, so I just put that over the other guys for whom I have questions. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, already debuting at the major league level, that's taken out a lot of the risk. And I, I think you're right. Mark Reynolds is a pretty good comp for him. Um, I think it is worth us talking about the Gilberto reports uh, that have come out. I don't know if you saw Ian Kundal's Twitter um, about uh, Gilberto, but he said, I've heard from multiple sources that outfielder Gilberto Jimenez was the top player at Red Sox Instructs followed by Tristan Casas. Jimenez has filled out considerably and is now built like a running back. He's still an elite athlete, but has started to drive the ball at the plate. He's no longer looking to slap the ball and use his speed to get on base, and his power is starting to develop, especially from the right side of the plate. He's still on the raw side, but his development will likely be slow, but his upside is immense. 
that is very interesting. I did see that, um, and I think I try to I try not to read too much into reports like that, um, especially when they're coming from something like Instrux, where it's all Red Sox people that are seeing him. So I mean, obviously the reports are going to be a little biased, um, which is not to say that any of it is not true, but more to say um, I'm ready to buy in very quickly but i need to see it in action first before i actually buy in like if, if he has like a good first few weeks um i'll be all in but i, I want to see it first yeah it is really intriguing because i remember seeing him i think he was 19 or or 18 i don't know what time has gotten away from me but watching him at wool like man his swing especially from the left side was just weak as all hell you know, it just, it was super slappy. Um, and I didn't really see it. Um, so yeah, that would be a massive development because I think the hit tool with him is really pretty legit. It's just a matter of him driving the ball. Yeah. it's a matter of him. Um, and he just had become a switch hitter that year too, I yeah. believe, or maybe the year before. So, I mean, it's refining. He's raw. I mean, that's what he is. And that's why I... I would. I usually take my time on buying into these guys because we hear reports about players like this when they're young all the time, and I mean, especially with a guy like Jimenez who hasn't even played a full season yet. Um, and like we were talking about with York a little bit earlier, and I have Jimenez in my top ten, certainly ahead of York, but um, yeah, I just want to see it before I get too excited. Yeah, if, if he looks good though, man, it's going to be tough not to put him like right up there in the top four yeah and i mean i've i know people that that swear um for having him above duran long term so i mean there's people love jimenez's potential um there's no denying that do people sleep on duran as an athlete i feel like they might uh i don't know about that i feel like that's the thing that he's known for but like I know people think that Gilberto is a crazy athlete, but I'm not sure he's more athletic than Durant. Some people have had his speed. They're very close speed-wise. Yeah. But you, I don't think they get talked about like they're that close speed-wise. You don't think so? To me. I think the times that people have gotten on Gilberto to first have definitely been talked about more. Maybe it's just because he's so young. Yeah, you know. and I mean, not, not to quote-unquote go there, but I mean, there's always a racial aspect when it comes to athleticism as well. Sure, yeah. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Jimenez, he has a hot three weeks. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pretty nuts. Yeah, I'm right there with you. We'll, we'll be Team Gilberto. Um, yeah, we'll talk. Um, so all right, fine, Matt. <laughs> the the other the other uh, thing I want to talk about uh, tangentially related to this is that Friday is the deadline for teams to protect prospects ahead of the Rule Five draft. Uh, we've talked a bunch about this. We don't have to go too into detail, but I want to touch on it just because it's happening this week. Uh, as we've said before, there are six prospects that are almost certain to be uh, protected. That would be Brian Mata, Jay Groom, Jason Rosario, Hudson Potts, uh, Connor Siebold, and Connor Wong. Uh, so first of all, anything change? Any chance that any of these guys don't get protected or that they get traded before the deadline? I guess there's always a chance they get traded. I don't think it's likely, um, and I think they are all a lock to get protected if they're on the roster. I would agree with that. Um, so anybody else other than those six that you've kind of reconsidered as a stronger possibility than maybe we've given them credit for in the past? No, I really don't see anybody, especially with the roster getting crowded uh, as it is. And we've already talked about kind of the number of people that might need to be cut down upon. Um, I don't see anybody intriguing enough or anybody that can't sneak through waivers. Or care about losing that much? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I care about losing some of these guys, but I don't think they'll be protected. I like Bizardo, I like Castellanos, I like Cutter Crawford. 
Um, I like Yohan Martinez. I think Martinez would be a guy, would probably be the top of the list that I think could get taken just because he has the big arm, he has the big slider, um, and those are the types of players that you can sort of sneak by. But I, w- I would agree that none of them are going to get protected and probably none are going to get taken. Yeah. I would agree. Um, so then the last part of this is ha- making room. So right now the Red Sox 40-man is at 37. Uh, so assuming they protect those six guys and nobody else, they would need to cut three more. Um, so who's who's out? How do you make room? Kyle Hart. Uh, I'm sorry, not Kyle Hart. Matt Hall um, would be my first cut. Uh, file Followed by Kyle Hart. And then, is it finally time we get Dustin Pedroia news? That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. I don't... kind of seems like it. I don't know that it's going to happen, just because I feel like there would be a little more smoke if something like this was coming. Um, I think it's coming at some point this offseason. I don't know that it's coming before this deadline. But that was yeah, definitely Yeah, I think you, mind. you start getting into names that are more difficult to throw around not that like you know some of these guys aren't aren't difficult cuts let's not fool ourselves but like there's at least a conversation that has to be had about them whereas i think there isn't that much of a conversation about your matt halls and your kyle hearts and and things like that that you know you have to start weighing you know what what you want to do with some of these players and I know that you're higher on the Red Sox bullpen kind of perpetually than anybody else, but there's still a lot of interesting bullpen names that, you know, could have some usefulness. I know you've shown a proclivity to, like, Jeffrey Springs and Robert Stock a little bit and, you know, Boston Bryce and and stuff like that. So I don't know necessarily that you would want to part ways with one of those guys instead of, make that decision on Pedroia. I, the it, the complicated thing with Pedroia is that I I don't think there's any way you could just make that decision on your own. I think he has to be part of that decision-making process. And so if that... I, I'm not rushing that just to save a Jeffrey Springs or a Marcus Walden or um, sure. whoever else. So, um, like I said, I do think it's going to happen this offseason. And they're going to need more room later anyways because presumably they're going to be signing free agents and stuff like that um so i guess yeah i it Pedroia's name definitely crossed my mind for this conversation i just don't know that i see it happening this week um who would you see as the top three outside of Pedroia? yeah so i guess i would say definitely matt hall number one with a bullet. Yeah. Um, I can't believe he's still on the roster, to be honest with you. It's a shock, man. Guy's like a cockroach. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, I could see CJ Chatham getting traded this week in some sort of minor deal. Um, yeah, I could see that. They hate him. And then, and then beyond that, I think it would be Kyle Hart, Marcus Wilson, Yoan Ibar are like the top guys. And then... But, I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if Walden, Stalker, Springs got the boot either. So, I guess if I was ranking them in terms of likelihood, I would go Hall, Hart. Um, Jeez, I don't even know. Walden, I think <laughs> Sneaky is yeah, sort of like a top maybe. candidate. He was so bad. He was bad. He's also the oldest of this entire conversation. He has been good though. Yeah, that's the that's the tough part. They have and a like, lot look of look at these... Brazier, you know, like his his twenty nineteen sucked, and now he was good in twenty twenty. He was also very good in twenty eighteen. I, I I don't think Brazier's in any danger. Oh, you're just talking no, about no, it's no, like no. a comeback. I'm just, I get what you're saying. I'm comparing it, yeah, because we've seen Walden. Like we've had the conversation here about Walden being one of the most trustworthy guys in the bullpen at different times throughout his Red Sox tenure. Yeah, but he sort of. He didn't look like, like when Brazier was bad in 2019, I could still sort of squint and see a future for him. When I watched Walden pitch in 2020, that looked like a guy who was just done. Yeah, maybe so. But that slider, when it's on, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think him, I really wouldn't be surprised to see Ibar or Wilson 
either. I mean, we see that all the time where guys get protected and then it just doesn't work out. Um, and I think it was very telling that we didn't see those guys at the alternate site, really. I think it's much more likely Wilson than than Ibar to me. Probably. Um, although they don't have a ton of... They can't just go willy-nilly with this. They don't really have outfield depth. Assuming you want to keep the I feel the like you can down. sign that. In this market, with how soft this market is, I don't I don't know if you're necessarily worried about padding your minor league depth and outfield. Like, don't you think there's going to be minor league free agents they can add yeah. later if they want yeah, to? Yeah, that's probably fair. But it will be it will be an interesting It's it's going to be more interesting than I think I expected to see how they make room. Yeah, I think I've been staring at the Red Sox roster to too long because I'm like finding reasons to keep all of these players that there really isn't any reason to keep it's called Stockholm Syndrome it's not it's not the best (laughs) alright let's answer a few questions before we get out of here Uh, so Cameron Alexander has our first one Uh, Cameron asks could you see the Red Sox signing Tommy Conley is that you say his name Conley Conley I think so yeah on a two year deal given he will only return around September of 2021 uh, more generally, do you think 2021 is a bridge year to being a nascent contention in 2022 and a serious one in 2023 onwards? Kind of a wordy question. We'll start with the Conley one. Uh, I think it would have to be an incredibly low money deal um, for them to sign a hurt pitcher um, to a two-year deal. That doesn't really seem a likely possibility to me. I always want I every year there's one or two of these guys that I advocate for them doing them doing this with. I think it I love the idea just in general. Um if they were going to do that this year, I would prefer them do it with Ken Giles though. Yeah, I'd much prefer that. I think he's got a higher upside for sure. Generally these things work. It's like a one the first year is for like the minimum and then the next year is for like 4 million or whatever. Yeah, and and you know these guys aren't always a hundred percent when they come back right away. It takes like a half year for their stuff to like start looking good sometimes. Oh, for sure, and I mean I think that's part of the benefit is that you can get them in your building to rehab, but not a. It always seems like such a good idea, but these deals never happen. So there's got to be some reason that either the players or the teams don't want this to happen. Yeah, um, and then about the Bridgier stuff. I mean, we've kind of talked about what 2021 i think we both see them as like a i don't know if your opinions changed but i think we both had them like right around 500 without knowing what happens in the offseason but just as a guess right now yeah pencil me in for three games more than whatever you think all right i think i had them like 78 (laughs) 79 so you'd have them like just over 500 yeah i'm I might be a little more bullish than that, but it, it's all really going to depend on the offseason yeah. i think cora cora made me more bullish yeah, I don't know that that really affected. I don't. I kind of hate the bridgier descriptor. Um, it's. I don't. I think that they're gonna want to win, um, but I don't think like I don't think they're going into the year thinking it's a bridgier or anything. I think they're gonna want to win. I just don't think that. I think they're gonna overrate or underrate how much they need to really be that good. You know, I, I like that he used the word nascent, though. Yeah, that was that was good. Strong. Not too bad. Uh, Munoz, uh, getting back to Duran, uh, wants to know if Dur- when you think Duran debuts and if you think he could be a trade ship. I don't think he's a trade ship. Um, I think he will debut this summer, like, late, like September. Maybe August. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that August-ish range. Um, but I mean, it's all again. It's totally dependent on what they do. If they sign George Springer, for example, I don't think it's going to happen. But if they do, and then they could turn around and include Duran in a package for some like top flight pitcher, um, I don't think that's out of the question. But I would agree that they are more likely to keep him and that he would make his debut at some point in the summer, later in the summer. Yeah. It's just weird because we have no idea what Bloom thinks of any of these players. You know, like yeah, we have no sense. Yeah, I think 
I mean, I think we know what the front office... The front office hasn't really changed that much outside of Bloom, and obviously Bloom's the top guy, but I think he very much listens to the Brian O'Hallorans and Michael Ferreros and all the other people around him, so I don't know. I think we know what the organization thinks of Duran, and I don't think Bloom has much... I would I would be surprised if he had a big difference of opinion, though. Yeah, me too. Uh, and then the last question, existential Judge Dredd. Um, asks how likely it is that the Red Sox sign Ha-Song Kim um, from the KBO to play second base. He is uh, one of the top 10-ish free agents out there. Yeah, that's a really interesting name. Um, The steamer projections just came out for this year, and he had a pretty damn impressive projection. It was like close to a 2020 guy with really strong ratios or, uh, you know, averages and OBP and, and slugging. Um, I'm interested in this big time. I just don't think the Red Sox are going to make that type of investment. I think it's going to be more costly. I think they're more likely to go after someone in the Colton Wong type tier or lower, in my opinion. The, uh, the projections, I don't have them in front of me, but they were smaller than I expected contract-wise. Um, I want to say it was like a four-year, 12 per, or something like that. Um, that was from MLB Trade Rumors. Um, I think the issue with the Red Sox signing Kim would be that um, other teams would side him as a shortstop, and that would A, probably be more appealing to him, and B... Uh, probably make the other teams want to sign him or want to give um, allocate more money to a shortstop than the Red Sox would want to to a second baseman. Uh, but I would fully expect him to be at least involved. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would hope that they'll be involved as well. Um, I think Fangraphs had him projected for quite a bit more money than that. Um, but I, I'm having a little trouble finding it right now. But I, I want to say it was like over thirty mil, uh, total contract. Over well, yeah. I mean, I had I think I said four at twelve, which would be forty eight. Oh yeah. Okay. I totally misheard you then. Um, yeah. So his numbers were just so damn good in the KBO. I don't know how to judge these though, man. That's the thing that's like. Well, you never know. I mean, some guys come right. over and they can um, rake. Then you have other guys like. Uh, was the guy's name Park that went to the Twins? Yeah, the first baseman, and it just never translated. So I mean, it's all, it's all scouting, and I certainly my spare my sparse moments of watching early morning KBO action just do not qualify me uh, to have any sort of opinion on this. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, <laughs> but I would be pumped if they did sign him i just don't think with downs coming that that seems likely yeah I, but i mean that turn obviously would turn downs into a potential trade chip um and i mean kim's 25 so it's not like you're signing a guy that's like 30 years old he kind of fits that timeline a little bit um but like i said i think the fact that he could play shortstop just makes him a better fit for other teams yeah i agree all right so that's gonna do it for this one um if you could, could you please subscribe to us on wherever you listen to podcasts? Uh, tell everybody you know about us. Tell strangers about us, um, but keep distance from them. Wear a mask. Um, and rate and review us on whatever service you use. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Jake is at Dev Jake. You can check out our writing at OverTheMonster.com. Uh, anything else? Uh, nope. Talk to strangers. Please talk to strangers.